saints and guests and everyone on uh, Facebook Live. Thank y'all for uh, joining us today. As Wes said, uh, our text today is in Colossians chapter 2. It also includes verse 8 and verses 16 through 23. The title of the sermon today is Union with the Redeemer Part 2. Union with the Redeemer Part 2. The message uh, today is going to explain to y'all what what should flow out of you being in union with the Redeemer. Y'all hopefully will get a picture of of what your life can can look like as the Holy Spirit continues to redeem and restore and renew the Imago Dei in you. Y'all are going to see some examples of what it looks like to walk in Jesus. Y'all will get some applications today that I hope will be an encouragement to your upcoming week. So before we continue with the preaching of God's word, let us go ask the Holy Spirit to bless it. Holy Spirit, you are our counselor. You are the one who leads us into all truth. You are the one who helps us understand the good book. Apart from your power, apart from your work in us, We can't understand it rightly. We can't believe it rightly, nor can we live it rightly apart from you. So forgive us, Holy Spirit, for the ways in which we take you for granted. Forgive us for the ways in which we don't give you um, your due. You're just as important as as the Father and the Son within the Godhead. And so, Holy Spirit, will you please glorify Christ today through this word? Holy Spirit, will you please minister to our hearts and to our minds and to our emotions through this preached word? Holy Spirit, will you descend? Will you move? I do pray all of this in Christ's wonderful name. Amen. It it takes one bad apple to spoil the whole bunch. Come on now, saints. Y'all know that idiom is true, right? It only uh, takes uh, one person, uh, one thing, one element to, to mess up a project, a situation, or a group. It only takes one bad apple to even spoil a whole church. Such is the situation among the believers in Colossae. But they aren't dealing with just one bad apple. They're dealing with many bad apples. Many bad apples are, are in the bunch, and these bad apples need to be checked. These bad apples are what Paul calls false teachers. And it's one of the reasons why Paul writes uh, this letter to the Colossians. In in chapter 2, verses 2 through 4, he says, My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart, united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding, in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely, Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. The Message Bible says, I'm telling you this because I don't want anyone leading you off on some wild goose chase after some so-called mysteries or the secret. So the Apostle Paul issues Three warnings to the Colossians about these bad apples. 
The first warning is in verse 8. He's quoting from the NIV version. Paul says, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy. The second one is in verse 16. He says, therefore, do not let anyone judge you. The third one is in verse 18. He says, do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. The Colossians would do well to 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 take these warnings to to heart. They they would be wise to pay attention to them. Don't let anyone take you captive. Don't let anyone judge you. Don't let anyone disqualify you. And what about each of us? The warnings are for us as well. But will we heed them and will or will we disregard them? I came across a illustration uh, online this week that says on uh, on Easter Sunday, 2013, the, the southbound side of I-77 near uh, the North Carolina and Virginia border was closed for hours following a massive chain of accidents. The police later reported that 17 different collisions involved 95 cars and trucks. The wreck left three people dead and more than a dozen injured, and many were seriously injured. The cause of the accidents, the accidents were, were, was that people were driving in a thick fog that descended over the interstate that Sunday afternoon. A police spokesman said visibility at this time of the, of the time of the accident occurred was down to about 100 feet or less. As people continued to drive blindly forward, they could not see the danger that was just ahead of them until it was too late. Prudence reminds us to be on guard for danger, not just in the present, but in the future as well. Because the way of our minds works, we often tend to discount what may happen in the future simply because it hasn't happened yet. If we're not careful, we can give the same tendency have the same tendency when it comes to these three warnings that Paul gives the Colossians. Y'all can discount them. You can discount these warnings for, for a number of reasons. Well, well, my church and my parachurch ministry, my campus ministry, and, and my Christian business and, and nonprofit, well, we don't have bad apples. We don't have bad apples. Christians today are different. That was during Paul's time. In Paul's day, we know better. We've evolved. We've progressed. We different. We got the right theology and, and everything. We got Bible on CD. We got commentaries. We got platforms. So, so, so we different. Those warnings are for the Colossians. They're not for me and my tribe or, or, or my side of the Jordan. We good, Pastor. We good. But, 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 Pastor, I, I don't want to gossip and, and judge, but there are some bad apples on the other side of the Jordan. There are some bad apples among those Christians, among those believers who attend so-and-so church, among believers who are involved with this ministry and movement and organization. But, but Pastor, like I said, I don't want to be gossipy or judgy. I'm just saying. Really? Are we really just saying? 
You see, these warnings are not just for one particular group. They're not just for one particular church. They're for the church universal. And they also are for us as Christians in America in 2020. There are bad apples that can spoil a bunch. They can be bad apples in any church, any ministry, any organization. They can be bad apples on both sides of the Jordan. So don't let them take you captive. Don't let them judge you. Don't let them disqualify you. But how? How? Paul mentions how in verses 2 and 3. He says, my goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of a complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Not just some. All is all in the Greek. It's all. These words mean you have to have a good understanding of your union with the Redeemer. Everything that I said last week in order to heed these warnings and and to apply to him. Understanding who you are in the Redeemer, Jesus Christ, helps you fight against drifting away from him and drifting away from sound biblical teaching. That's that's one application of your union with Redeemer. That's one way to, to walk in him. The Union with the Redeemer Instruction Manual, what I talked about last week, it needs to always be within your reach. Memorize it. Pray that the Spirit will help you take take those truths, that he would take those truths and, and, and root them deep inside of your heart. So what's in the manual? Do, do you re- remember? First, first, you're firmly rooted in Jesus. That's the first thing that's in the manual. Second, you're continually being designed and built up in him. These are things that have been done to you, okay, through the power of the Spirit. Third, you are continually being established more and more in Jesus. Fourth, your whole self is completely filled in the whole Jesus. And fifth, your whole self has been um, circumcised by Christ. Saints, a good understanding of this truth They help you guard yourselves against false teachers and all forms of their false teaching. It helps you deal with with, with the bad apples on your side of the Jordan and the bad apples on the other side of the Jordan. So what does guarding yourselves look like? What does it look like? First, it looks like staying woke, being watchful, being aware, being alert, keeping your eyes open at all times. Booker T. Washington Washington once said, a lie doesn't become truth. Wrong does not become right. Evil doesn't become good just because it's accepted by the majority of people. So you got to be mindful of the people you allow to speak ideas and views and opinions into your life. Be mindful of the platforms and the podcasts and the blogs and the political commentary and the conspiracy theory websites and news outlets you read and listen to daily because some of that stuff is trash. In verse 8, Paul says, see to it that no one takes you captive. He intends for the Colossians and, and, and us to proactively see to it that we're not taken captive by bad apples. And bad apples 
They pretend to be experts with all the right information, experts with some secret knowledge that you don't have. You have to come to them for it and pay $9.99 a month to their website to get it. The phrase take captive should paint a certain image in your mind. It's the image of you being carried away from the truth into slavery or falsehood. That's what it, that's what that should, that's the picture you should have. You're being carried into slavery or false teaching. One theologian de- describes the use of this phrase as one becoming a victim of fraud. Think about those words. To become a victim of fraud. If you were a victim of fraud, how, how would you feel? When, how, how would that experience make you feel when you found out you've been duped? You'll feel foolish. You'll feel anger. You'll say to yourself, I can't believe I fell for that. Earlier this year, I was scammed by shopping online. I admit it. I was on a fake website that was pretending to be the actual website of a, of a real company. I purchased items that I'm still waiting on. They never arrived, and I'm still salty about that. My credit card company couldn't fix it. I couldn't get my money back. I felt foolish. I felt anger. I felt frustrated. You see, I experienced all those emotions after the fact, after I realized I was a victim of fraud. While I was adding those items in my shop cart, I was like, man, I'm getting a good deal. I was on cloud nine. But I didn't do my homework. I didn't research to check the legitimacy of the website. I was fooled by a big sale and good prices. Saints, don't let yourself be fooled by a pretty and handsome face, a nice smile, and a big platform. Bad apples are clever. They have a way with words. They sound convincing. They're eloquent, persuasive, smooth talkers. And bad apples, they're gifted people who come in different shapes and sizes and colors, who live and function on your side of Jordan and the other side of Jordan. But listen, their giftedness doesn't change the fact that they're false teachers. So what are these bad apples teaching within the church at Colossae? How can the bad apples take the Colossians captive? What's their means of doing it? Look at verse 8 again. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit. Paul doesn't have an issue. Please hear this. He doesn't have an issue with philosophy in general. He doesn't have, he's not against knowledge and intellect. Please understand that. He's against any teaching, worldview, ideology, theology, ideals, or politics that pull you away from Jesus. That pull you away from sound biblical teaching and lead you into a place of captivity. Where are you today? Where are you today? The NIV translation of verse 8 says, see to, see to it that no one takes you captive by, by hollow and deceptive philosophy. The philosophy of, the bad, of these bad teachers is empty deceit. It's empty deceit. It doesn't have any real intellectual, moral, or spiritual value. They, the false teachers, they claim to have hidden wisdom, secret insights, but all their boasting is devoid of value because it's not in alignment with God and God's word. 
their teaching and philosophy isn't according to Christ. It's according to something else. It depends on something else. Many people around the world, during this around the world this time of the year, they have holiday traditions that they look forward to. Look forward to experiencing. But many of these people, maybe some of you included, are sad because you might not get to experience these traditions because of COVID nineteen. And so people have Thanksgiving traditions, Christmas traditions, New Year's traditions. And many of these traditions have just been passed down within their family or, or some have just been picked up from other sources. And according to dictionary.com, the term tradition means to handing down, it's the handing down of statements and beliefs and legends and customs and information from one generation to the next, especially by word of mouth or by practice. The source of the hollow and deceptive philosophy of the bad apples in Colossae fits this definition. It sources human tradition. Human tradition. Again, look at verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition. And this human tradition can be Jewish or it can be Gentile. It can be religious, philosophical, political, theological, and sociological. It can be any of those. And Paul describes this, this content of this philosophy as, as the elemental spirits of the world, which will be addressed later. And here's the main point, saying. This philosophy that depends on human tradition isn't according to Christ. It's not according to the essential truths of the Christian faith. It's not according to your union with the Redeemer. It's not. Can you sniff out teachings and ideas that's not according to the essential truths of the faith? Do you have that ability? Or do you just believe anything that people say? Just because someone has a title in front of their name doesn't mean they're right. So the believers in Colossae need to stay woke. Y'all need to stay woke. Wake up, saints. Don't, let, don't be tricked. Don't let yourself be fooled. Don't let false teachers carry you away from Christ and sound teaching. Don't let bad apples enslave you with their deception. Be on guard. When it comes to the religious teachers, political leaders, movement leaders, you entertain and follow. Don't align yourselves fully with any tribe, group, party, or movement. Don't do that. The Message Bible says, I always love the Message Bible. It makes it plain. Watch out for people who try to dowser you with big words and intellectual double talk. They want to drag you off into endless arguments that never amount to anything. How many endless arguments have you engaged this week that haven't amount to anything? You haven't changed and that haven't changed. It could be face-to-face. It could be on Zoom. It could be on social media. How many saints? During this season that we're in in our country, how many of these endless arguments have you engaged in? That has not amount to anything. How many? Remember the two adjectives that Paul used to describe, describe the two describe the philosophy of these bad apples. He said that it's hollow and deceptive. The term hollow means to, to, to means to have a hole or 
or empty inside. And it can also mean sunkenness. Sunkenness. So I'm going to change some stuff out in this message translation. And it says, watch out for people who dazzle you with big words and intellectual double talk. They want to drive, where they want to carry you off into a sunken place with all their endless arguments that never amount to anything. Are you in a sunken place right now? Because bad apples have dazzled you with their so-called deep insights, conspiracy theories, and some new spiritual enlightenment. Where are you in 2020 when it comes to your faith, when it comes to the truth of the Christian faith? Where are you? What has all your web searching and social media engagement and American politics and social causes done to your faith this year? Where has it done to you? One of Paul's sons in the faith is a man named Timothy. And in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 18 and 20, this is what Paul says to Timothy. He says, Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this commandment in keeping with the prophecies once made about you so that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well, holding on to faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and so have suffered shipwrecked with their faith in regards to their faith. Are you shipwrecked? Do you know Christians whose faith has been shipwrecked this year? There are some you know who are relaxing their grip and thinking anything goes and have made a mess of their faith. Every one of you who have saving faith in Jesus, you are in union with him. And by recalling that union with the Redeemer, you can fight this battle well. But do you believe that? You have what you already need to fight well. Stay woke. Watch out for bad apples who, 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 who are part of your tribe and on the other side of the Jordan. Understanding your union with the Redeemer it helps you hold on to the faith and have a good conscience. Recall your union. Recall what it means. Y'all are firmly rooted in Jesus. And all these things are things that you don't have to work for. These are things, these are blessings. These are benefits. These are things that are being done to you even when you don't feel it. You are rooted in Jesus. You are continually being built up in him. That is the spirit doing that. He's doing that. You participate in it, but you're not, you're not the primary you're continually being established more and more in Jesus. The God is doing that in you. But do you believe it? Or do you think it's all up to you and your Bible studies and all the work that you do? Those things have their place, but God is working in you despite of you, despite of your circumstances, despite of your performance. Your whole self is completely filled in the whole Jesus. Do you know what that means? All of who you are is in union with him, not half. And your whole self has been circumcised by him in baptism. The message Bible says in Colossians 2, verses 13 through 16, when you are stuck in your old sin for dead life, you are incapable of responding to God. But God brought you alive. 
right along with Christ. Think of it. Think of it. All sins forgiven. Slate wiped clean. The old arrest warrant canceled and nailed to Christ's cross. He stripped away all the spiritual tyrants in the universe of their sham authority at the cross. And listen to this. And he marched them naked through the streets. Everything you think that had authority over you, your sin and death, Christ has brought them to shame. And he marched them through the street naked. He walks us to the street naked. He does that. I don't know about you, but, but those words make me want to shout. He has disarmed all the spiritual powers and authorities in the universe at the cross. Even evil itself, even the enemy himself, he has made a public spectacle of them all, and he stands over them in victory. And people who are in union with him, they share in that victory. And you know what else that means? It means you are free. Union with Christ equals freedom. And that means if you're not in union with him, you are a slave to something. Union with Christ equals freedom. Freedom from the power of sin and the power of death. These are all amen statements. Freedom from shame and guilt and condemnation. Freedom from the wrath of God. Freedom from legalism. Freedom from antinomianism. That's lawlessness. In Christ, y'all are free to love God back. Did you know that? You don't have to wait till you die and get to heaven to love him back. You can love him back now. That's freedom that Christ gives you. In Christ, you are beloved sons and daughters. Not orphans. Not to help. Beloved sons and daughters. In Christ, y'all are free to love your neighbor as yourself. Freedom to struggle with sin with a repentant heart. Free to acknowledge your brokenness and struggles. Free to confess your sins without fear or rejection. Did you know that? No more fear or rejection. That's what the freedom Christ has given you. You have freedom to rest, freedom to Sabbath, freedom to say no. Freedom to take a break. Freedom to live a regular, ordinary life. You don't have to be radical for Jesus. You're the one who, you, sometimes we enslave ourselves. Sometimes it ain't the false teachers and bad apples. It's us. Because deep, sometimes deep down we don't really believe Jesus is enough. There's got to be some more. Got to be something that we can do. Union with Christ equals freedom. Are you live free or are you living as a slave? You have freedom to be imperfect. You have freedom to fail and make mistakes. You have you are free from letting your past define you. You're free to pursue reconciliation with others. You're free from trying to earn God's favor and love and acceptance. You're free to stand for truth and and for justice. You're free to to be an advocate for the least of these. You're you're free to take the gospel to the nations. Y'all have freedom in the Redeemer Jesus.
Galatians 1, Galatians 5, 1 says, For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. And if you don't know Christ today, you are under a yoke of slavery. I don't care how hard you work, how hard you labor, how hard you sweat, you can't come under that yoke without faith in him. And that yoke is sin. Your sin, not your mom and daddy's sin, not your neighbor's sin, not your enemy's sin, is your sin. But 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 God of the world that he gave his only son. Amen. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And whoever believes in the Redeemer, Jesus, is not condemned. Jesus died in your place on a cross in order to, to set you free from the yoke of slavery. And all you have to do is confess your sins to him. Repent of them. And then submit and surrender to him as Savior and Lord. And afterwards, you will become a beloved child who's in union with a good, good redeemer. But will you come? Kids, adults, people in Facebook land, will you come? Our old hymn says, come ye heavy, come ye weary and heavy laden, lost and ruined by the fall. If you tarry till you're better, you'll never come at all. If you wait until you're better, you'll never come at all. You come because you're not better. You come because you are sick. You come to be made well. Will you come? Cassie is a people pleaser. Being liked by other people is an idol for her. In a, in a blog post, she writes, I, I want it to be everything for everyone, everybody's go-to friend or family member. This led me to believing that my own worth was heavily tied to pleasing people. Cassie would pour all of her energy, majority of her energy went into being with others and being there for others. And when she was done, she had nothing left. Her energy tank was, 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 was empty, and she didn't have enough energy for her own self, for her own peace of mind, for her own self-care. And eventually, her house of cars came tumbling down. Her idol failed her. She writes, in, she writes in, in 2018, I found myself in a very dark place. My brain was telling me I was disappointed, I was lazy, that I wasn't good enough that nobody actually benefited from me being in their life. I'm thankful I got out of that mess and, and began a journey of healing and unlearning some incredible toxic behavioral patterns. What do y'all think she learned about herself and her toxic behavior patterns? She learned that she had zero boundaries in all of her relationships, and it all caught up with her in the end. She isn't alone in her discovery. Many of us have to be driven to almost a complete physical and mental breakdown before we realize we need to set boundaries with people in our life. 
I shared a quote on Instagram this week that says, if someone throws a fit because you set a boundary, there's more evidence that the boundary needs to be there. Setting appropriate boundaries and healthy boundaries is what the Apostle Paul encourages the Colossians to do in verse 16 through 19. He doesn't just want them to stay woke when it comes to these bad apples. He wants them to set boundaries with them for their own peace of mind and their own now, for them, it's also for us. You've got to set boundaries with people. Three of the greatest options on social media are this. Mute, unfollow, unfriend. Use them regularly if necessary. Mute, unfollow, unfriend. That's putting that verse into application, people. The first boundary that he says, wants them to set is not letting anyone pass judgment upon you because you're not keeping some extra laws, rules, and requirements. Apparently, these false teachers, they're keeping some Jewish um, laws, like dietary laws and holidays and worship services and holy days and, and festivals and, and, and um, spiritual days. Look at verse 16. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in the question of food and drink and with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These, these bad apples, they're promoting additional requirements for spiritual growth. They're, they're, they're actually adding to the gospel. They're, they're adding to the finished work of Christ. They're saying your union with Christ ain't enough. It's not enough. You need to do more. They, they don't even acknowledge the, the freedom that Christ gives his people. And another freedom that he gives us is freedom from using the Old Testament law as a means to earn your salvation and favor from God. So you can tell when folks come to you wanting to add things, you, can, you don't have to put up with it. You can set boundaries. You can tell Karen and Felicia, bye. You can tell Ken and Tyrone, not today. Don't pass judgment on me. Pass me by your legalism. Stop pressuring me with special diets and, and worship services and holy days. You set boundaries because you know Jesus has already fulfilled all the Old Testament law. Laws, requirements, and regulations. And then when you're in union with him, it means you benefit from that fulfillment. It means you don't have to do it. It is finished. Please hear this. The Old Testament is a foreshadowing of Christ. It is. Look at verse, look at verse 17. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Hebrews 10, that's an amen statement. Come on, people. Hebrews 10, 1 says, For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come, instead of the true form of these realities. The Redeemer, Jesus, is the true form and the reality. And since the Colossians and us are in union with him, we're good. You don't need to add anything else. You don't have to add any extra rules and requirements. You don't need legalism. You, Jesus paid it all. His life is enough. His death is enough. His resurrection is enough. His continued work in your life through the Spirit is enough. Remember, for freedom, Christ has set you free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. This is Different from who we are as Americans. 
because we, we, like, we think we don't want things for free. But listen, if you're going to be in God's kingdom, you don't work for it. No. So you, need, so you need to think of grace as kingdom food stamps because without them, you don't get in. So I'm grateful for kingdom assistance. I don't know about you. At an athletic event, like football, basketball, soccer, volleyball games, that there's one group of people fans love at times and fans hate at times. There's one group of people that fans want to see, but they really don't want to hear from throughout the game, and it's the refs and the umpires. And these individuals, they have an important job, and it's a difficult job, and, and sometimes they get calls wrong, and we get mad about it. Sometimes they miss some, and it's called a human element in sports. In verse 18, Paul uses a term that refers to an action that all refs and, and umpires have the authority to enforce during the game. And one commentator refers to the term as a negative verdict of an umpire in a sporting event. The term is disqualified. Disqualified. Players and coaches can be disqualified by a ref from a game if their actions demand such a penalty. The same term is being used by the bad apples in the Colossian church. They're trying to disqualify these believers because they're not, try, they're not measuring up to what these false apples say they need to measure up to. And then Paul said, y'all need to set a second boundary. Look at verse 18. Don't let anyone who delights in false humility in the worship of angels disqualify you. Don't let anyone who, who, who delights in false humility. And false humility is pridefulness in disguise. They're pretending to be humble, but their hearts are full of such pride. They also delight in the worship of angels. Paul says such persons also go into great details about what they have seen. They are puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. These bad apples and false teachers, they don't delight in Jesus. Please know that. They don't worship him. They're not in union with him because they probably aren't saved. Look at verse 19. They have lost connection with the head, Jesus, from whom the whole body supported and held together by its ligaments and joints grows as God causes it to grow. They have drifted away from Jesus. And the message Bible says, don't tolerate these people who try to run your life. They're completely out of touch with Jesus. So what's the application for us today? It's simple. You need to set spiritual and intellectual boundaries with people in your life, on your side of the Jordan. You can't allow everybody to speak into you. You can't. Do you have spiritual and intellectual boundaries when it comes to the things you listen to and take in day to day? Do you? These boundaries will help you think before you simply drink the Kool-Aid from pastors and teachers and theologians and commentators and scholars and politicians just because they're part of your tribe, group, or movement. Stay woke, saints. Set boundaries for your own peace of mind. In verse 20 and 21, Paul says, since you die with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, 
Why, as though you still belong to the world, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not touch, do not taste. These rules which have, which have to do with things that are destined to perish with use are based on merely human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have the appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining the desires of the flesh, sensual indulgences. If you're a believer this morning, everything you need for spiritual growth, Christ has already accomplished for you through his finished work. And you have to remind yourself of that. Everything you need for spiritual growth, Christ has already accomplished for you at Calvary. Second Peter 1, verses 3, and 3 through 5 says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us his own glory and excellence, by which he granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them we might become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desires. That is you. That is us. Your union with Christ is enough. You don't need the elemental spirit teachings of the world. You don't need to add to Christ's finished work. You just got to learn to rest in your union with Christ. Are you resting? Now, it ain't going to mean life's going to be easier. But it will give you some peace of mind. Y'all are firmly rooted in Jesus. You've continually been designed and built up in him. You're continually being established more and more in the faith. Your, your whole self is completely filled in Jesus. Your whole self has been uh, circumcised by him. One theologian wrote, union with Christ, listen to this, union with Christ is the central truth of the whole doctrine of salvation. The central truth of the whole doctrine of salvation. It is not simply a, a, a phase of the application of redemption. It underlines every aspect of redemption. Union with Christ is. You got to understand that. You got to know who you are in Jesus. And that give you a swagger that nobody else can give you. That give you a hope and a peace nobody else can give you. That'll help you to stand firm when life is hard. Because you know who you belong to. And you know he's with you. And you know who you are. Do you know who you are? Gatsby hymn number 980 says, Are thou not mine, my living Lord? And can my hope and my comfort die? Fixed on thy everlasting word, that word which thou built the earth and sky. If my immortal Savior lives, then my immortal life is sure. His word a firm foundation gives here let me build and rest secure. Here my faith unshaken dwells. Immovable the promise stands. 
that all the powers of earth and hell can never dissolve the sacred bands. Here, O oh my soul, thou trust repose. If Jesus is forever mine, not death itself, the last of foes shall break a union so divine. Not even death, not suffering, not persecution, not injustice, not loss, not pain, not COVID-19, not this presidential election can break your union with the Redeemer Jesus. You know why? Because he's holding on to you. You ain't holding on to him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that nothing will ever break a union so divine. Thank you for that. I pray that we will rest in that this week. As we head into <coughs> Thanksgiving next week, let us be thankful for that. Let us praise you for that. Let us worship you for that. For Lord, you are good. You are faithful. You are wonderful. And it's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen.